This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the patrons of the Tube Podcast Network. Some very cool people and personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Gilmer, Mikey Tabletop, Cupcake, Kyle, and many more have all gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson to kick me a few bucks a month to help support the shows, and in return, they're getting some cool treats, as well as, as always, my undying love and respect. You can be just like them if you head to patreon.com slash realdavejackson. You'll be a hero too. All right, on to the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, co-host of a novel console podcast, and let's say death and rebirth enthusiast, Chris Dominguez. Welcome on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And uh, I I wasn't aware that I was a death and rebirth enthusiast, but now that you (laughs) say it, a lot of the stories that I like do have that theming. (laughs) Everything's starting to make sense now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Better than this. I've I've learned more here than I probably would have learned if I would have gone to therapy. So Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about Eastward. Uh, but before we get into Eastward, I do want to give you a chance to uh, tell people where they may know you. Like I said, you're um, one of the two hosts of a novel console podcast. So what is that show all about? So first off, it's a terrible show. <laughs> so basically, it's me and my wife, uh, Karen. Uh We both have severe addictions. I have addictions to playing video games. She has addictions to reading books. Um, so that quote from The Simpsons where Homer tells Lisa that she has a a serious reading problem because she picks up books like he picks up beers, that applies to the both of us. <laughs> but no, so she talks books, I talk games, and then at the end together we talk about food. And uh, our whole deal is to make fun of the stuff that we love. Uh-huh. So so I, I try to get her to make more fun of the games that I like that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but she's just not into it. <laughs> I mean, well, it's list- a, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I've listened to the show before and I, f- I find it to be a pretty entertaining time. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I love doing it. We have a joke where we don't talk throughout the week and that's the only time we talk. Right. And that's why we have <laughs> such a great relationship because yeah. after that we don't have to interact with each other anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have, I actually have that with my, uh, my other podcast top three, with those guys, you know, we have a group chat together, but by far the most interaction that we have anymore is on the podcast. So just coming together <laughs> to hang out. So I get that for sure. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So uh, I'll give a recommendation for everyone to uh, to check out a novel console. Um, if you want talk about video games, books and food, which you don't want to hear conversation about that. What do you want? So yeah, I mean, <laughs> and uh, we, we watched a lot of Chopped, so we do 
use some of the wording that they use because we think we're fancy sometimes. Uh, but of course. We try, to de- we try to describe the food and make it as appealing as possible. We don't just want to say it's good and that's it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, again, you can, uh, listeners, you can check down in the show notes. You'll find links to uh, a novel console down there. On to today's game, though. And today we're talking about Eastward, which is an action adventure game developed by Pixpill and published by Chucklefish in 2021. Um, We'll do some short elevator pitches to kick off the show as we do. So for an elevator pitch for this one, this one actually has a very pitchable uh, concept. Earthbound meets The Last of Us meets The Legend of Zelda, in my opinion. What about you? So I, I, I agree, but instead of The Last of Us, I would say if Zelda went to the land of Ooh from Adventure Time minus Finn and Jake. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen Adventure Time, so I, I saw that and I was like, huh, I don't know what that is, but all right, cool. <laughs> People out there who've seen Adventure Time, you know what's up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit earthboundy, a little bit saney, wacky, and there's a lot of parallels uh, between the characters. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, today's episode is going to be a regular one as far as spoiler policies go. Um, as always, we're going to do a deep dive on the game without spoilers, and then at the end there will be a spoiler section. So if you have not played Eastward, don't worry. Um, you can check down in the show notes. You'll find a timestamp for when that spoiler wall is, so you can tap out then. So getting started with our personal histories with Eastward, and we always start by uh, just talking about where did you first hear about this game? Because I think you played it before I did. Where did you first hear about this and what made you want to play it? So I think I saw the trailer for it on a direct in 2020 and I was mm-hmm. like, man, it looks fine. And then a buddy of mine, uh, like a month or two before it released, started hammering me with videos. It's just like, look at this, look at this, look at this. This, mm-hmm. this is your type of game. And I started looking at it and I'm like, you know, frying pan doesn't seem too cool, but the animations and pixel art look incredible, so I'll, yeah. I'll try it, and I fell in love pretty much immediately. Nice. Yeah, um, so for me, too, like, I, I remember seeing it in an indie direct, and I remember thinking, like, the same thing. That pixel art looks incredible, and I don't know if I'm going to end up playing this, but it does look really impressive. Um, and then it was a friend of the show, Keith, from the Main Quest podcast. This game was on his big annual game of the year podcast. This was in his top 10 for 2021. So that immediately put it like more directly on my radar. The other reason that I wanted to play this or decided to play this was uh, I held a vote on Patreon for people to pick what game comes up on the show. And this won, this beat out uh, (laughs) Pentiment, I think. And uh, this actually won the one where there was a tie and we settled it by having two bots fight each other on Super Smash Brothers. So uh, this won the Patreon vote. So shout out to all the patrons out there. And also to get in some opening thoughts about the game, um, apologies to everyone who voted for this, but I did not really like this game. There's a lot of things that I do think are really, really good and really well done, but this I ended up getting the feeling when I was playing this that this was like that boyfriend or girlfriend that you stay with too long because you're in love uh you're in love with the idea of what they could be and not what they actually are and then by the time you realize that it's uh it's too late so 
well, that got grim at the end there. Not like not like anyone died in this scenario I'm making <laughs> up here, but you know what I mean. Like I, I kept hoping and hoping that it was going to go in a direction that would more connect with me, and it never did. So I didn't have a great time playing it. There are things I like. I'll get into that stuff. What about you? I, I know that you you said you fell in love with it. So man, like I I don't I don't even know where to start. Um, there, there's so many things about this game that just, to me, this is what Last of Us feels to other people. I am mm-hmm. not a fan of The Last of Us. I am okay. actually, I, I will go out on a limb and say I'm not a fan of anything Naughty Dog until recently. Okay. But everything about the game just, it, it just clicked with me. Um, the combat clicked with me. The story clicked with me. The characters just, the inane rambling ons of everyday life once you get to uh, uh, the second city. It just felt great. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's what I needed during that time period mm-hmm. or what, but just starting replaying it this past week, I just I just completely fell in love with it all over again. And I'm probably going to finish it even though we've recorded this episode already. Uh-huh, yeah. It, it's interesting. I mentioned The Last of Us. You mentioned The Last of Us. I had... Earlier for an elevator pitch, I had written, uh, what if someone made The Last of Us, but everything was not horrible all the time? What if people <laughs> were actually happy in the world? That's kind of what this game felt like to me, too. So I, I get that. Like I get when you say um, that The Last of Us didn't give you what you needed, but this game did. And they have very similar setups, which we'll get into. You know, you said that uh, Keith uh, had it in his uh favorite games of the year for 2021. Mm-hmm. I actually had it beaten out for first spot by Guardians of the Galaxy. Another another awesome game. I love that one. Super solid game. And and it was like, it probably just was because I had the Guardians uh, album on loop for about <laughs> seven or eight months. That's yeah. probably the only reason why I beat it out. But I, I've, I, if I tell you that I've thought about Eastward at least once or twice every week, that that would be correct ever since I finished it the first time. Awesome. I, I mean, I love it when a game gives me that. So yeah, despite, you know, a lot of my misgivings about it, mostly the story and the um, the pacing in the game, we'll definitely get into it. We're going to have a nice little uh, contrast here, I think. So yeah. let's uh, let's listen to some music from Eastward. When we come back, we're going to get into it. So in Eastward, the uh, story begins with a little setup here. In this world, humanity has been forced to live underground with the surface being rendered uninhabitable by a toxic plague called the Miasma. And in this world, your protagonist named John works as a digger, a miner of some kind uh, during the game's opening cinematics. This is not a spoiler. This is before you start a new game. This is shown. So. Uh, John is going down into the mines. He sees a, a young girl in a kind of bio tank of some kind. And her name is Sam. 
and she comes out and for some reason everything's cool with this girl coming out of a bio tank she lives with him as kind of his adopted daughter uh and again this is not really brought up to the best of my knowledge but this is this is the uh the duo yeah so that they don't even show this during gameplay like if you don't watch that uh opening scene right once you start the game you're never gonna figure out where she came from or why she's special right exactly so there we go if you're gonna play eastward watch that cinematic like i said it's like you know you you boot up the game and that cinematic starts playing even before it's like press start to play even before that so it would be hard to miss but I, I couldn't imagine what you would think of the story if you did miss that. So <laughs> yeah, it's like if it would have been probably any other game, I probably would have smashed start all the way through till I got to the beginning. But I'm glad I stuck around for that. The animation in that scene is is great. But the animation in the whole game is is really really good. <laughs> so not a surprise. Um, before we get into kind of talking about the story and stuff, I do want to focus a little bit on John and Sam, because those are the two characters, main characters of the story. They're a duo. They're nearly always together, a father and adopted daughter. Again, like we talked about, The Last of Us comparisons are very easy to make. Um, John is even dressed kind of like Joel a little bit. (laughs) Not that I'm saying that there's any like ripoff or even inspiration. It's just a father and adopted daughter. But anyway, I digress. John is a silent protagonist. So throughout the game, some other characters will comment on this too. So it's not like a, it's not like one of those silent protagonists where it's just a given that they're silent and you, the player, are supposed to put yourself in their shoes. Like John is a character that people, you know, talk to and they're like, oh, you're you're not gonna say anything, John. He never says anything. So I bring this up because they're really, in my opinion, there there really isn't a lot to John because he never talks. And any characterization you get about him is from other people talking about him. And in my opinion, it's it's not much. Um, so this feels like a callback to some of the games that inspired this, like Earthbound, Legend of Zelda. All of those have silent protagonists. And a silent protagonist is a tough thing to pull off, I think. So how did you feel about, about John? The first time I found it funny, the second time I found it a bit frustrating. I, I don't even know how to even explain it because I, I like John as a, as a vessel for, for the player, Mm -hmm. um, that he's, uh, you know, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't have a personality per se, so you can project yourself into him. Mm -hmm. I do not like how the people uh, interact with him. They get frustrated with him too, saying it's like, you're not going to say anything. You're just standing there. And Mm -hmm. it's not like he doesn't have any opinions of his own because once you leave the main area, there's a little bit of a monologue that he does. So he does have thoughts. He does have ideas. Why Mm -hmm. they didn't flesh out a personality if they decided to do that it's a little bit jarring, in my opinion. Interesting. I don't remember that monologue. Is it a monologue of text that he's yeah. thinking? Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, whenever you leave an area, there's the pan of the camera moving up into the sky and you see small text kind of showing up. Oh, those, those are John. Okay. What, one of them is John. The others are, I, I feel like the others were not really John because he doesn't 
talk about himself as just like somebody talking about the events that happened or right. the world or whatever. But that gotcha. specific first one is definitely John. Okay, gotcha. So other than that, we get we get almost nothing from John. And so in my opinion, this is like strike one uh, against me enjoying the story in this game because like I, I, this is going to be the last Last of Us comparison I make, but it's very <laughs> similar, right? They've both taken in a young girl in this, you know, shit world that they live in. And I have no idea how John feels about any of this. You know, you, you want to say that John is a surrogate for me, but of course I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to do the right thing. I'm a, I'm playing a video game. That's the way I play video games. I would love to know how John feels about any of this. Sam is constantly getting into stuff because she's, she's a, a mischievous little girl and John is just, just putzing along, um, going to save her, doing what everybody else needs. I would love any of his internal thoughts here. I, I don't know if he like, if he loves Sam like a daughter. I don't know if he feels like he has to do it because it's just, this is the life that he found himself living. I honestly have no idea. And it, it's like, constantly throughout this game i was like man why why didn't they just give john a character why <laughs> yeah see I, I feel like he has some sort of endearment towards her because there yeah. there are a couple of scenes where he's being fatherly towards her like that mm -hmm. one part where she tells him oh my feet hurt and he just kneels down and waits for her to climb onto his shoulders yeah. and he just goes along with everything that she wants to do like yeah oh this is happening we got to drop everything we're doing let's go do this and john just mosey's along and, and i get it it's like part of the gameplay but it also kind of makes me feel that his character does care about sam and it's not just feeling obligated to do anything yeah i know i definitely did get the feeling that he he cares about her in some capacity i just didn't know like to what extent and yeah, it was just something I couldn't shake uh, throughout the game. And then, like you said, there are lots of situations through the game where other characters are interacting with him. He just stands there like a tree. Some of them get frustrated with him. Some of them don't acknowledge that he's not saying anything. Like there's a couple scenes where women flirt with him. He just stands there and they just continue to pour out their heart and soul to him. And I'm like, I don't, I don't buy any of this right now. <laughs> and and he, he does have like one animation where he's, he's somewhat bashful. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, and if he's going to be silent, at least give him more animations where it shows so, a, a sort of personality like that one, but yeah. they didn't. And I, I don't know. There was some development troubles with the game, and I don't know if the final result were mm. part of that. But uh, I don't know. It feels like like John's character is lacking a little bit sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. However, Sam, who is the the little girl, Sam is an incredible uh, rendition of a little girl. I think she is uh, bubbly and excited all the time. She's. She's, you know how like kids are when they find something that's exciting, they're like so excited about sharing what it is that they're excited about. Sam is like that. Uh, she's happy to go to school. She's excited about everything. And because John is such a, a damp piece of wood, <laughs> Sam is like, she's so entertaining and sh her characterization is, is really, really well done, I thought. And I can't really think of lots of like children, like actual children done in video games in such a, an entertaining and lovable way. 
See, it, there's a few video game ch- children that I actually like. Obviously, I love Sam, and the other one is Clementine from The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. I feel like those are more so Clementine being, you know, she's a child, but she's aware of what's going on. She's She knows that there's there's danger. Sam is more, I can do anything, and I'm going to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one I love more, but I think I think it's probably Sam because she is so just full of energy and imagination and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cute. Like, I I don't know, I, I have a heart of stone sometimes. Um, you know, video game characters, and I think kids are hard to get right in in video games. But you know, Sam is just so lovable. It's really hard not to really root for her throughout the entire game. So she's great. And it's, again, it's just the contrast between her and John. It's like Sam got all of the personality and John, there was like 1% left in the tank for John when it was <laughs> <laughs> time to make characters. Yeah. Um, so oh, there, there's this one scene with Sam where some character is telling her and John, it's like, oh, you got to go here and you got to do something that's very, very dangerous. And Sam is just like in the background, just like, trotting in place, shaking her hands with a, with a huge smile on her face. Like, yeah, we're going to danger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For some reason, I just love that so much. <laughs> yeah, she's super cute throughout the whole game. So you meet lots of other characters uh, in the game as you go along. And this game has um, kind of a, not kind of, a very whimsical and quirky kind of kind of tone to it. Like I said earlier, what if The Last of Us, but everyone was happy and joking and, you know, quirky all at the same time. This is uh, what I feel like to be the biggest influence from Earthbound is this kind of sense of humor and stuff like that. Um, outside of Sam, I didn't really like it in most of the other characters. They were <laughs> they ranged from being very annoying to me to being like fine. But there are some other characters later in the game that you're you're clearly supposed to really care about. And I didn't. And I have talked to some other people like, um, you know, community member Chris uh, Nelson, who was playing this game alongside me. Um, He connected with the characters a lot more. Um, I wonder if it's because there are other parent and child storylines. And I wonder if that just is something that I don't connect with so much uh, because I don't have kids and I'm not looking through that lens at these relationships. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. And I, I actually think that that particular character is, is very sad. Mm-hmm. So I, I do get the attachment to that character, not as his actions are portrayed the entire time in the game, but as of what that character is going through, which I'm sure we'll get to in the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. Other than that, most of the characters just... They felt like they had personalities most of the time, yeah. Especially because of their animations and their dialogue and whatnot. Um, but none of them kind of stuck out, except for the ones that they forced you to interact with extensively. So, uh, like the princess in New Damn City, um, she is. She they force you to interact with this character for an extended period of time and. That's a character that I started caring about, even though at the beginning I was like, this character's a fucking idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but m- the rest of them were like, 
they're good for the moment that they're in. They serve their purpose, but they're not exactly memorable. Yeah, I, I would agree. They're definitely not memorable. And I, I just kind of, I, I kind of just had an issue with the tone of this game, how they're living in a quirky and happy hell world. And those two things didn't really mesh in my head. I had a really hard time like reconciling the fact that they there is this danger that can wipe out everybody in a second. Some people know about it. Some people don't. But everyone is having a good time all the time. And I was just like, can y'all just kind of focus on like the fact that there there's an apocalypse looming right now? Like, I just had a real hard time with this um, this kind of happy tone, despite what's happening in the world around them. You know? Yeah, I I, I get that. Um, and uh, I feel like because of the happy tone, some of the serious moments hit a little bit harder. Especially when you leave that second part, I feel like the reaction to that from one specific character is what I expected from somebody that knew what happened, but then mm-hmm. it just kind of gets completely glossed over. Yeah. I, I, did, I did like the happy. Like, I, I have a feeling that if the world were to basically end, there were, would be pockets of people trying to have the best time instead of being an infinite oh. sadness. Yeah, yeah, sure. There would be pockets, but in this game, it's everybody. Everybody is having a good time. There, There's nobody who's, you know, like, w- no one's in the streets yelling, take a look around you people. Everyone's just like, no, this is cool. We're gonna, we're joking. We're gonna, you know, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it, it was just because of that, the moments of sadness and things or like powerful emotional moments, I'll say, in the game. Almost none of them landed with me because I had been checked out of the story. I checked out at about the 10-hour mark. This is a 25-hour game. So um, I, I didn't say it earlier, but this this felt like, of all the games I've played for this podcast, this one felt like homework the most. And I hate, <laughs> I hate, that, I hate that it felt that way, but that's just the experience I had. So um, the story... Back to the story. Um, John and Sam living in this underground settlement, right? Uh, they're ruled over by this overbearing mayor. You get a, a, a dose of these outsized personalities in this first area here. Uh, yada, yada, yada. John and Sam get exiled. They're sent above ground, which is a death sentence, basically. And they get up to the surface and the game continues. Obviously, it's not an instant death sentence. So, The adventure goes on. The story is kind of based around what's on the surface, what's going on. uh, Why the hell was Sam in that tank? What's going on with that opening cutscene? And um, Sam can also do a little bit of magic. So how? How can Sam do magic? These are the questions that I had as the game was um, in its first couple hours here. Yeah, that after replaying that part where she starts being able to use her powers, Sam doesn't question it. John obviously doesn't question it. Nobody else does. But then again, probably nobody else knows that she can do what she can do. Mm -hmm. It's like she meets uh, a version of her that tells her, oh, do it yourself. And then Sam magically has magic abilities. Mm -hmm. So overall about the story, um, just some some thoughts here. I already said, I wish this game was darker. Uh, I wish it wasn't so quirky and happy-go-lucky all the time. This, uh, you know, like I said, Earthbound did this. 
I don't think that this game has the charm that Earthbound has. That's a personal preference thing, though. I think that the bones of the story, like the plot that happens, does have some interesting stuff. But I thought that the the pacing is a nightmare in this game, I think. <laughs> I think this game is twice as long as it should have been. There are a lot of... I'm looking at, like, if I looked at the plot outline, I'd be like, you cut that five hours out, this game would be just fine. You cut these three hours out, this game would be perfectly fine without it. You don't need this. And so despite me thinking that like the bones of the plot stuff we're going to talk about in the spoiler section, big revelations, I think those are cool on paper. But while I was playing the game, I was like, I just want this to be over. I don't like this. Yeah. You know, there, that there was a, a whole part in the game where you're trying to win a bet and that just goes on and on and yeah. on. I was ready for it to be over. And once it was over, I hadn't progressed anything in the story because it just stalls right there. And I, I think there are two, maybe three sections in the game like that, that you could cut this out. You could cut like eight hours of game time out. The game would be just fine. I, I can't wait to hear what those those sections are, because I'm pretty sure I know which ones they are. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you do. But uh, what do you think about the story? I, I've already said kind of my piece about it. What, uh, what did you think? So the way, the way that I feel about the story, the way that I see the story is more the world is going on. And you're just playing a, playing a small part of it. Sam and, and John are just playing a very tiny part in this world and stuff that's going on. And eventually they, they do have an important part to play in this world, but it's just like you and me, you know, we live in this world and what we do is what we do is our story. And it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Um, Honestly, I, I like the story. I like what happens to the characters. I, I like their progression, what they deal with in everyday life. It, it it feels like if it was an average day simulator in a post-apocalyptic world where everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I like that. It, 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 I hate this word. It vibes with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it... I don't know. It's like, I get your point. I get what you're saying. I understand how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's your opinion and and it's my opinion. Like, and I know that a lot of people feel the same way. They either don't like it because of the same reasons you do, or they like it because of the same reasons that I do. So both are valued arguments. Yeah. And I totally get, like you said, you know, how people react to a setting or a world setup or something like that, that's going to be subjective. So me not liking it as much, I think was really just exacerbated by how long the game is and those pacing issues that I brought up. If this game were 10 hours long, I would not have had nearly the amount of time to build up this like, resentment. resentment. Yeah. I was going to say contempt for, <laughs> this, for the story. And when I'm looking at my notes here and I'm like, okay, we'll just, maybe we'll talk about this. Here are the things that I think are interesting to talk about. Those are cool. So it's just, there's a lot of fluff in here and I really wish they would have just cut it down. See that, that, that fluff to me is, is the average day stuff that they get to. It's like, oh, we're uh -huh. going to go today and we're going to rustle up some pigs or today we're going to go dig or today, you know, we have to go to work or, you know, we're just having a day off. We're just going to go have fun. Like to me that you don't see that in video games and whenever I see it and it's, with characters that I like, 
I, I absolutely eat that shit up, man. That is a, a really good point. And that stuff, the stuff that you mentioned there, I thought that that fit and it was fine because number one, you're doing gameplay during a lot of those sections. Um, and the, the gameplay in this game is pretty divisive. I feel like I enjoyed it because the gameplay meant I felt like I was playing a game and not watching a bunch of unskippable dialogue that I really <laughs> couldn't stand. So during those sections, I was like, that's fine. I'll go round up some pigs. I'm having fun doing this. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, it's some, <laughs> some of those other sections where there's really no gameplay and it's like two hours of conversations yeah. where I'm like, fuck this. See, I, I'm and I'm gonna give you that the dialogue takes forever. I wish there was a there would have been an option to speed it up, mm. not by going into settings by pressing buttons because I'm too stubborn to go into the settings. Um, <laughs> the, there was a way to speed it up because a lot of it was just fluff that was inconsequential to yes. what was going on at the moment. And honestly, I got to like to Act Four. Mm-hmm. And it took me about eight hours. So I feel like I was going at a sped up pace, but it's because I was skipping a lot of dialogue. Yeah. And I wanted to read the dialogue. I I, I don't skip dialogue in games unless the writing is atrocious. And it's not <laughs> atrocious in this game. The writing is fine. There's just too much. And yeah, I, I think that that's, that's kind of my closing thought about the story in general. There's too much. So let's listen to a little bit of music and then we're going to come back and talk about some things that I think are great, which are aesthetics. So this game, you mentioned before, we both mentioned in what drew us to play this, the pixel art. And for as much as I just shat on the story, this game has some of the best pixel art I've ever seen. It is ridiculous how beautiful this game looks. Yeah. So uh, in preparation for this episode, I watched a documentary on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes long about the development of the game. And the developers decided that they wanted to make the art speak for the game. Mm -hmm. So they put in a bunch of time and effort into the world, into the characters, into their animations. Yeah. And it shows like this game, the, the art is fantastic. Yep. The attention to detail around every environment, every building you go into, this is, it's ridiculous. Like every screen is like I said, some of the best looking pixel art I've ever seen. Every screen in this game. It, frankly, it's remarkable how good it looks. And you mentioned the animations. I also noticed that too. Like these, this is pixel art. So these are, these are pixel sprites on the, on the screen. Um, and I, I just mentioned like these give characterization to a lot of the characters too, because every character doesn't have the same animations, walking animations, idle animation stuff that they're doing it's all kind of personalized yeah, even just standing around they all have different animations they don't stand around the same yeah so I, I was thinking about um you mentioned the one where you have to win a bet earlier that guy he's just hanging out smoking a cigar and his animations no one else in the game is doing that just him um 
I noted that John, when he runs, he puts his hands in his pockets and he walk when he he does his quick walk. You know, Sam is super bubbly, jumping around when she's happy. It this this is probably the visuals I think are the best part of the game. <laughs> I noticed that if you stand around and you don't move, Sam just like starts spinning and looking around. Yeah, like she she looks forward, back, <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, just very fidgety. Still. Yeah, yeah, very, very, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really good. And so, you know, I talked about how the story and characterization doesn't give much personality to John. You get some from the animations that he does. Um, he, he's, his animations kind of paint him as kind of a ho-hum kind of guy. You know, even if he did talk, I don't feel like he would be a super outgoing type of person, basically the opposite of Sam, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. You know, I, I will say his um, the way that he is animated cooking makes me jealous. I wish I was that fluid when I was cooking. He's <laughs> handy with a pan. Very. It's like, <laughs> dude, it's like bash some monster skull in and then go cook a meal on that skillet. Shit, I'm with in. The same, the same pan, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's really good. Um, the music in this game, I think, is is really, really nice, too. Uh, this was done by Joel Korolitz, uh, who is a person who's done music for other games. Um, very talented musician. And um, this game has uh, character themes for a lot of different characters. Some of those themes kind of got repetitive to me because I didn't like the characters they were associated with that much. But the music overall is really good. Um, lots of stuff from kind of serious combat boss music I'm thinking of in my head right now to then, you know, this game has a sense of humor. So the music is quite humorous as well, kind of quirky too. And I think this is a really good fit for what this game is trying to do. Music's really nice. So the the entire soundtrack is on Spotify. I went yeah. and listened through the entire soundtrack and I noticed that there was a surprising amount of songs that were drum and bass pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. nights, uh, city night is one of them. And that song I, I absolutely loved and crazy engine. Absolutely loved that one as well. Um, but a lot of the music feels like I've listened to it before in other games or movies. Mm -hmm. Um, there's one song in particular, I don't remember the name, but it reminds me of the movie sinister. Okay. <laughs> um, I, this, it, a lot of it feels like it could be in the Scott Pilgrim game, uh, that it could be an unsighted. And the boss song reminded me specifically of Axiom Verge. So every time you're okay. in a boss battle, that high stakes with the ups and downs of the melody just feels like it belongs in Axiom Verge. And like, like you said, some of the songs do get a little bit repetitive and you, know, you start kind of like tuning them out. But the soundtrack is massive. I don't know why they didn't cycle through the songs more, but it, it's worth a listen. If, if you want to listen to the soundtrack, it, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very good soundtrack. And I, I, like I said before, I think it's a perfect fit for the different tones of this game. I just did. I didn't come out of this being like, holy fuck, the music, like everyone, you have to listen to this, but it is, it is really good. Um, and it fits the game really well, I think. One note that I made and a tip for anyone who's listening and you think you want to play Eastward, uh, you can go in the options and turn down the sound effect that plays when when text comes up on the 
the screen. It does that sound effect when there's dialogue. And it's really fucking annoying because there's so much dialogue in this game. You can turn it off and I suggest that you do. But that was like a pretty much as soon as the game started, I was like, oh, we're getting rid of that. That's terrible. <laughs> See, I, I left it on. I didn't even realize that you could turn it off. Like I said, I've never looked at the settings or exactly, options in yeah. this game. <laughs> I learned to tune it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you dug your own grave there. Um, but yeah, aesthetically, really, really pleasing game. We're going to listen to a little bit more of that music too, before we talk about what it's like to play Eastward. So there are a lot of gameplay elements that were very inspired by games like The Legend of Zelda, uh, games like Earthbound, but this is a third-person action game like a Legend of Zelda. You don't have a sword, you have a frying pan for a melee weapon, like we talked about. But before we get into the combat, I do have to note, and I think I mentioned this before, but Zelda games are like... Well, the old ones, A Link to the Past, stuff like that. They're like 90% gameplay, 10% text, probably even more gameplay in that ratio. This game is like half and half. So there is a lot of dialogue in comparison to gameplay to the point where uh, we'll talk about this. I don't think the combat in gameplay is like amazing or anything, but I was so happy to do it because it had usually been a long time since the last time I had gameplay sections. So I got to just mention that there are so many conversation scenes. It's like a Kojima game with text instead of like actual cutscenes, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, I, I felt like it was like a 60-40 weighing more on conversation than gameplay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whenever there was gameplay, I was so, so hyped. And whenever mm -hmm. it was over, I was like, damn, it's over. I want it more. Yeah. Um, specifically with the boss fights. I, I The boss fights are simple, and they are pretty much just repetitions of three for pretty much each boss fight. Yep. Legend of Zelda influence yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I loved it. Like, whenever a boss fight would be over, like the one with the, the, the dirt fish that throws mm -hmm. forklifts at you. <laughs> I, I, I love that fight like I, I forgot like i was going into it dreading it and i started to find like oh shit this is actually fun i forgot how it was yeah and, and once it was over i was i was not pleased anymore yeah that's kind of how i feel too like the the boss fights i think were mostly pretty fun late in the game they got kind of annoying but they they were mostly good and it's like you said Whenever you got a gameplay section, I was also very excited for it because the gameplay is fun enough, I think, but there's just not enough of it. So every time I got to it, I was like, fucking finally, I'm, I, can, I can play, I can go do some puzzles, I can go bash some stuff with a frying pan. It's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's very, um, very satisfying. Like when you hit something with the frying pan, you get a nice thunk sound effect and yep. you you do get voiced uh, like grunts from John when you're swinging the frying pan around. So there's that. So 
John fights with melee weapons, uh, different variations of pan. I like how you start out with a basic ass frying pan and then you upgrade like later in the game, you're fighting with like a grill pan, like fancier <laughs> pans. It's really like funny. Cast iron. <laughs> yeah. Like industrial iron. alloy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you eventually get other stuff like bombs and some guns, stuff like that. Like I said, I like the frying pan. It's a pretty satisfying melee weapon. Uh, stuff gets bounced back when you hit it. Uh, it feels like it has impact when you hit stuff. So that was fun. Sam is a support character. Uh, Sam uses a spell to freeze enemies uh, and also interact with stuff in the environment. And you can freely switch between John and Sam during most gameplay sections and especially during combat. So it's just one press of the button. Now you're controlling Sam. And so you can, if you want to, it's not totally necessary because I didn't do this, but you can kind of have this Sam freezes, John bashes, Sam freezes, John bashes type of gameplay loop. Did you get into that? Only with the birds. Yeah. <laughs> Only when things got really annoying. Yeah. 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 The, there's like this one section, I think it's like right after they give you the gun, you get thrown into like a little arena with three birds and they're mm -hmm. in the air the entire time until they decide to attack you, they land. So that's when I would freeze them and just go to town because I, I was not dealing with that shit. Yep. So I'm kind of like you. There's some enemies in the game that are really annoying and just freeze them. There's some that are really hard, but they're optional and you don't have to fight them. So I would just freeze them and then run past them. <laughs> the to zombies? Get to the next screen. Yeah, the zombies. Yeah. Oh, man, those sucked. Very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so... Another thing about the combat and gameplay, maybe this is why there's not a whole lot of it, but there's not a lot of variation in how you play. John gets four weapons for the entire game. Sam never learns a new spell. She, she learns upgraded versions of the one spell that she has, but she never gets a second spell. No. And so the combat does feel repetitive. But again, I didn't mind that because I, I wanted to play. I wanted gameplay. So, you know, I would get to a new gameplay section or I get to a dungeon and I would be excited, even though it's repetitive, I'd be excited because sometimes it had been an hour and a half since I got to do that. So yeah, yeah. Um, it was fine. I know that some people really hate the gameplay in this game. I'm not there. I had a good time with it. See, I'm, I'm going to make a comparison and uh, I feel like the combat in this game is almost, it's, it's a, 2d version of the new god of war gameplay mm. i love the story in both the new god of war games but by the 30 hour mark on oh, okay ragnarok i was ready to blow my brains out i cannot take the <laughs> gameplay anymore like in that, uh, in that way yeah yeah because because like the thing is god of war that gives you story then a bunch of gameplay then more story then a bunch more gameplay and by the 30th hour that you're swinging the same axe in the same way tired of it i feel like eastward even though it had a shit ton of story the gameplay was enough for me to not get sick of the the combat even though it's just swing shoot swing shoot yeah i wouldn't go that far and you know well me personally i i love the new god of war combat um there's a there's a lot more going on to in your strategy in that game in my opinion. And I also think that game has much better pacing than eastward does <laughs> no definitely so, so um <laughs> That, that does bring up one thing that I, I would have loved in Eastward, which is a shield. I would have loved to be able to block enemies. And I think they just want you to use Sam's spell 
but sometimes I don't have the reaction time to switch and aim a spell. I would yeah. love to be able to hit, you know, right bumper and just pull up a shield, you know? It's like, just pull up the skillet. I mean, and yeah, just, to, yeah, just season it with a couple of hits. You have a cast iron skillet. You can't shoot exactly. through that thing with a machine gun. Like, just use it. You can block a bird flying at you with that. <laughs> or, or, or fucking uh, dashing <laughs> zombies. Yeah, or a forklift being dropped from the sky. <laughs> <on you. laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the gameplay is fine, repetitive, but fine. Uh, there's some other systems to the gameplay other than combat, though. Um, there's a cooking system in the game, which you mentioned before, John Cooks. It's part of the story, too, that John is an amazing cook, which, hell yeah, more mm-hmm. more cooking dads. Yes. Yep. The developers stated that they pulled this from Breath of the Wild, So if you played Breath of the Wild, this is exactly what it is. You'll find ingredients around the world as treasures or drops from enemies. And you have to cook to get um, health restoratives and also buffs, like to buff your attack, your defense, stuff like that. So I, you know, I, I don't go crazy in these games trying to learn all the recipes or anything like that, but I did kind of have fun you know, before a dungeon started or usually before a boss room, they'll give you a, a stove so you can cook. And I did have a good time like preparing for those things and feeling like I'm going well equipped into a dungeon and stuff because it, it does get hard late in the game. Some of the late bosses and stuff are pretty difficult. So I did feel like I needed to be prepared and I was um, rewarded for choosing the right ingredients. And then there's a little slot machine mini game to add like extra oomph onto your dishes and once i figured out the trick to that i was i was cooking up some some fire yeah <laughs> so I, I love the cooking i hated the slot machine i wish oh, okay they would have given you the option to just have like uh, f- the highest possible version of a recipe after making it enough times or after getting like the three pots on the slot machine because mm-hmm. um, i there was a point where i had like an egg omelet that gave me 15 hearts and 15 shield hearts. And then I had underneath it one that gave me three hearts and two shield hearts. And it's like, oh, did John forget how to cook an omelet between making the two of those? Exactly. And like, (laughs) and then whenever I would have to use one of the, the dishes to heal myself, I would panic not to choose the one that gave me a lot in case I needed it later on. Oh yeah. I definitely got into that. Like, Oh, this, this thing heals 10 hearts. I can't use it now. I'm going to need that later. Exactly. So yeah, I'm going to wait till that. I get it. <laughs> I'm going to wait till I get hit one more time. Then I'll use it. Yeah, it was that, that I'll <laughs> carry all the potions in, in Skyrim before, yes. in case I need them for a boss fight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There are um, a lot of puzzles in the game. This is again, very inspired by the legend of Zelda in a lot of ways. So the dungeons are mostly combat and puzzles. And the main form of puzzle that the game gets into are puzzles where John and Sam get separated and have to step on different switches for each other, open up new paths for each other, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I thought these were simple but fun. Um, for most of the game, I, I felt pretty okay to uh, having a good time with these puzzles. They're they're not super challenging, you know, again, Legend of Zelda, but um, I did have a good time. How about you? They they were baby's first puzzles and <laughs> man, they, they made the dopamine go like crazy. I love them. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and there was just something about having those separate puzzles where John goes one way and Sam the other, mm-hmm. and you have to rush between the two of them so that they don't take enough damage from any enemy that might be nearby. Yeah. I, for some reason, that clicked with me. I, I absolutely loved it. I like that. I like that idea of like, hey, Sam's a little girl, you know, she's got to go off on her own to help with this puzzle, but she might get attacked by monsters. You better get over there. So exactly. it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love those, those type of puzzles. And honestly, like the puzzles are not hard. They're not hard at all, but I don't want to say that it's great game design and that they did it like thinking about it being in a post-apocalyptic world, but most of them felt like something you would see after the world ends. Like, oh, the wall crumbled. Let's figure out a way around it. Or, yeah, yeah stuff like that. Like, at <laughs> that, I was like, yeah, I fucking love this. <laughs> yeah, puzzles, puzzles are always, like, if you want to get into, like, stuff that doesn't fit into the world, puzzles are always a huge offender of that. Actually, we talked about God of War. God of War, those puzzles feel like they are not from that world. Like, no. they were... No, like, it's very, very gamey. Yeah, I, I I finished it recently. Uh, at, I I, I kind of hated it revisiting that game. I didn't did not enjoy revisiting it, and it mm. was because of the puzzles and the platforming, but mostly yeah. the puzzles because they were ginormous. Like you would have to turn the entire Pandora Castle or whatever it's called just to solve one puzzle that would open one door that will let you get to another puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're in a weird spot right now because by the time other people are listening to this, they will have at least had the opportunity to hear my episode on God of War Ragnarok and I complained about the puzzles. I shit on those puzzles. I did not like them. You haven't had that opportunity. So I'm just telling you now. I'm with you, man. Um in this game, again, didn't mind them. They're easy, they're over quickly and also this is a very obviously Legend of Zelda inspired game. I knew that going in. I knew I was in for some puzzles. So they're fine. My, my thing with a lot of the puzzles is that you would see them and you would be like, oh shit, how do I do this? And then you actually start doing it. And you're like, this is easy. What the fuck was I worrying about? Like, yeah, they're they're very intuitive for yeah, sure. Yeah. It's not like the puzzles in, in uh, Unsighted. Some of those puzzles took me a while. <laughs> oh, dude. I, I ran into the gamer's worst nightmare in unsighted a couple of times because uh, that game's not super popular there's not a bunch of wikis on that game so the only way to find puzzle solutions is to go scrub through let's plays on youtube and i hate when i have to do that so this game no no problem never had to look in a guide for how to solve a puzzle and um it's fine uh last bit of yeah uh, before we move on for for the listeners if you were to take anything away from this episode is play unsighted and play eastward (laughs) <laughs> please I think make you some more play, think you should play god of war ragnarok but yes um <laughs> play unsighted i actually think that game's really good uh, i did an episode on that with nave from gaming together a while ago yeah that game's good we'll get to recommendations about eastward later um <laughs> <laughs> one last thing about the gameplay um and this is another thing that's kind of it's one of those facts that people who don't know have heard i feel like if you've heard of eastward then you might have also heard that there is an actual 8-bit JRPG in this game, um, a game within a game. And it is a Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest love letter, basically. It's called Earthborn. Earthborn, not Earthbound. Earthborn. 
The characters in the game play it. It's a game that's like very, very famous in their world. Everyone in this world seems to have grown up playing Earthborn. Um, Sam is a kid, so she and her friends are playing it at the beginning of the game. And then you have the opportunity to play it whenever you see a TV with a console. There's usually one in every city. And it's a fully functioning game to the the best of my knowledge. I didn't play it much because I don't like Dragon Warrior and especially like Dragon early Dragon Quest. I have no nostalgia for that. And I don't really like it that much. So I, I didn't play this much, but I do think it's cool that it's there. So did you get into this? I, I tried this time. I was like, yeah, I'm going to play Dragon, er, I mean, Earthborn. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. get through this it. This is and, the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I started like going screens and screens and screens. And I'm like, this world is too big. I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, but I, I did see online that if you were to collect the capsule monsters or whatever it is uh-huh. that you can get from the vending machines, um, they actually help you with the game. And yeah. I don't know how that's realized because I, I didn't try, but yeah, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's an Earthborn fan, and I'm sure that's it's not somebody in the world of Eastward because, as far as I know, nobody said anything about anybody beating it ever. Yeah, they uh, well maybe I just know like everyone's like um, talking about their memories. The adults talk about their memories growing up playing it. The kids are excited to play it after school, stuff like that. That is a good point about those little uh, tokens that you get to use the kind of gotcha machines to get um, little capsule monsters to use in Earthborn. The fact that I didn't play Earthborn means that these tokens were terrible treasures to find around the world for exploring. Sometimes you'd solve a puzzle to get to a treasure chest and you get these these uh, gotcha machine tokens. Just three like, of them. Fuck. Did not. I don't need these. I'm never going to use them. So it's cool for people who do get into it. I just didn't. Um, I, I do know that there are people who who think it's pretty cool uh, and pretty fun. I just think it's it's cool that it's there. It's it's interesting that they put this game within a game that, as far as I know, is fully playable for, for many hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's fully realized. And I, I from the little bit that I played, um, it feels like an RPG that I would love if it was real and it had better quality of life improvements because it does the whole thing where after you're done with a fight, your whole party gets full health. I uh-huh. love that. Yep. Um, and the, the battling, you know, the characters will block attacks for other characters. It, it, it just feels like they put thought and effort into it. Just not enough to make me want to actually play it. The way you describe it, it does sound like a game where if they wanted to, they could take another couple years and build up an actual game out of it. And, you know, it would appeal to a certain group of people for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, cause it's, it, it's not it, like it, it feels good to play and try to figure out cause the little bit of time that I put into it, I was kind of having fun, but yeah, a couple more years and they, they make it like a full actual game. I, I would probably eat that shit up too. Yeah. So getting into some final thoughts about Eastward, thoughts in summary, and then answering the question, who would we recommend this game to? Chris, I will give it to you first. The guest always goes first. So what type of person would you tell to play Eastward? I have been thinking about this question ever since you invited me on, and I (laughs) still don't have an answer (laughs) because 
if you don't like the last of us, um, but you are interested in a post-apocalyptic father daughter game, this might be it. Um, I would say if you're a Zelda fan and you don't mind long text and long exposition and just doing everyday things during your gameplay, then I would say this is probably a game for you. Like I, I absolutely love this game and I have video game tastes all over the place. Like I, I am not like centered into one specific type of game type that I like. And mm-hmm. this one just hits a bunch of those notes. And I, I just, like I said, I love it. I mean, so if you like, if you like slice of life stuff, if you like Zelda, if you like doing everyday things, if you like a little bit of end of the world doom and gloom in your stories, then mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and if you like Adventure Time, yeah, this would be a thing that you would most definitely like. <laughs> okay, all right. So there we go. Again, the Adventure Time. I hope other people out there are hearing that and being like, okay. I see. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. So for me, uh, I held off on talking about this earlier because I I don't really recommend this game to most people. (laughs) The story setup is interesting. And I I was in at the beginning. I really liked the, the mystery of the story at the beginning. And like we've talked about, it's a beautiful game. The music is good, but I, I can't recommend a game based on pixel art and music alone. And I, I really disliked the, the pacing of it. And so I don't know, I don't think I'm in a majority here saying that like I didn't have a good time with it. I think that a lot of people do enjoy this game a lot more than me, but for me personally, I can't really think of anything that I would say this game does really, really well and also appeals to people like me. So I I think I'll just piggyback off of what you said. And if you, if you're okay with some of that, you know, we're on a quest, right? We're for a lot of the game, we have a, a destination in mind, and there are things that you have that you should be doing, right? Without getting into spoilers. You, there are there are things that your two characters should be doing. And along the way, you do take a lot of pit stops to do those everyday life things, like you said. And I think that's a really good observation. I did not like doing a lot of those things. I thought it killed the pacing. So I honestly don't really recommend it to a lot of people. But if you listen to what uh, you were saying there, Chris, if people listening heard that and thought, you know, that that sounds pretty good to me, then people listening, take Chris's advice. Don't listen to me. Go give it a try. Uh, This game just hit Game Pass a little while ago. This episode will come out a couple months after we're recording it, but I got to think it'll still be on Game Pass. So if it is, you have nothing to lose. If you have Game Pass, give it a try. But um, as it stands, I just, again, did not really have a good time with it. Felt like homework. And that's not a good feeling when you're playing video games. So, See, I, I played this game originally on Switch when it came out. And yeah. I started it on Game Pass. I tried to play it on PS4, PS5, but I couldn't find it because I was going to buy it all over again. That's mm. how much I like this game. But... It was. Well, there we so, go. So I, I played it on on Xbox, and it was just just as great. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention up at the top, but I also played this on Switch. It runs fine. Um, I think it crashed. It did. It crashed twice during the final boss, so that really pissed me off. 
But other than that, I did not have uh, performance problems. Other, that is, other that than is that, a shame. That's small terrible. detail crashing during the final boss. Oh right? man, <laughs> that killed everything for you. That was bad. It was a bad. Well, to be fair, I was already not having a good time with the game, but <laughs> that was the the nail in the coffin. So yeah, it's like if you were in the ledge, that's what kicked you off of it. <laughs> yes, I'm hanging by my fingertips, and the game just come in, came up and stepped on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the spoiler section here, Chris. Where can people find a novel console? Uh, basically, if you can listen to a podcast on it, that's where we are. So Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Good Pods, uh, Amazon Music, which is weird because you'd think it'd be called Amazon Podcasts. Um, <laughs> Anchor anywhere, uh, anywhere you can find a podcast, not on Facebook anymore. Cause Facebook doesn't like podcasts anymore, but yeah, that's okay. Podcasts don't like Facebook. Fuck you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, again, recommendation. I think it's a good time to listen. I listened yesterday to a, a recent episode that you all did. Thank so you. yeah, uh, everyone, while I'm talking about tales from the backlog, you can go down in the show notes and find a link to a novel console and, uh, find something you like, uh, read again, reading video games and food. I already like, I know you like video games because you're here. You're listening to this podcast. I know you like food because Everyone you're not does. a monster. Yeah. And then who doesn't like books? Books yeah. are fun. I like to read. So, um, yeah, for Tales from the Backlog, uh, ways to support are the same as always. You can join the Discord server and join the ever-growing community of people there. Like I said, we've had some people in there uh, besides me and Chris who played Eastward. So it would be a good uh, topic of conversation this week to come in, talk about Eastward with us. Also consider supporting on Patreon if that's the way uh, that you choose to do that. Just a few bucks a month gets you some cool treats, voting rights, like to uh, make me play Eastward, stuff like that. Um, I appreciate everyone who does, but it's certainly not um, not pressure for everybody to do that, just if that's how you want to support. Otherwise, you can leave a rating and review on your podcast platform if it allows it, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Uh, podcast addict allows reviews. Yeah. Good pods. There we go. I also have another show called a top three podcast, which I mentioned before where every episode is me and three of my friends doing top three lists. So if I did a list of top three games with the best pixel art, this would probably (laughs) be on there. So there we go. A top three podcast. Before we, we, we take a break. I want to piggyback off of the, the Patreon thing. Subscribe to the Patreon. The only reason I did was to vote for Eastward because I, <laughs> I want more people to talk about Eastward in this world. And I don't regret it. I get access to early to episodes early and that's pretty fun. That's right. Chris, you are a patron. I didn't want to, I, I was, I feel weird about bringing it up, but I do appreciate it. And, um, I, you know, you, you joined to talk, uh, hear someone talk about Eastward. Yes. It ended up being that I invited you to come on and talk about Eastward. I'm I'm sorry that I didn't enjoy it that much, but um, we're having a good time chatting and I appreciate you. It's all right. If if you ever want to come on my show and talk about The Last of Us, I, I, <laughs> we will fight all night about The Last of Us because I, I don't, I, I, oh. I, I feel strongly about that game. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like The Last of Us a lot, but I, I definitely don't have the energy to go on a podcast and fight about it. That's, <laughs> I don't feel that strongly. So. See, I, I, I don't like the first one. I love the second one. 
So Ooh. it's, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to play the second one in the spring sometime, probably after the TV series is over. So by the time people hear this, I might be playing The Last of Us Part 2. But anyway, uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back, it's spoiler time for Eastward. Chris and I are back and we're talking about spoilers for Eastward. And when I say we're talking about spoilers now, listener, if you don't want the entire thing spoiled for you, I need you to turn this off right now because we're not doing a chronological walkthrough of the story. We're going to start with the real shit. So early on in the game, Sam is confronted by a kind of glowing red version of herself. And I noticed right it's not like i picked this up it's hard not to notice sam turns blue during these sections so i automatically thought this is a copy version of sam or this is the other half of sam something like that there is a magical connection between these two and so i never got clarification or if i did i missed it because you know i didn't like the story much i might have skipped something (laughs) um is the red half of Sam mother or are the two of them together mother? What's going on with that? It's never explained. So okay. everything I'm going to say is just based on what I played and what I've read and seen and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, Sam is the body that mother was going to inhabit. Okay. So mother is more like an AI construct or part of Sam's psyche, but it's Mm. not Sam's true self. It's what would have taken over her body. At least that's what I gather from everything that I've read and experienced and whatnot. I see. Because Sam has these magical powers, she's one of the only people in the world, maybe the only person that can use magic like this. Mm -hmm. So she is the vessel for mother. Supposed to be, yeah. Okay, gotcha. It was confusing to me because everyone calls her mother for like the whole second half of the game. Everyone who's like in the know calls her mother. So I I thought that she's half of a whole or something like that, but that also makes sense. Yeah, so the ones that know, like Solomon, he keeps calling her mother and the breeder bots, which... There, there's a whole joke in there that I am not going to get into. <laughs> um, they all call her mother and they keep calling her mother. Uh, even when they meet the mother personification, the, the, that red hologram. Um, uh-huh. and I think it's because they might think that Sam is actually mother in that body, not just okay. looks wise. Okay, so the red one is mother kind of projecting this thing. 
Yes. And because tr- the red one is constantly kind of guiding Sam to Esther City to the end. Yeah. Um, a lot of the pushes that you get are from the red Sam. So that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, from again, from what I've read and I played, it seems like Mother was not evil the entire time. It seems like she was benevolent up to some okay. point. Okay. So corrupted in some way. Yes. Okay. When did it happen? No idea. If it yeah. happened, no idea. Yeah. So what if you're listening to this because you just want to know what's going on in the story, it, it's eventually revealed toward the end, you know, last last couple hours of the game, that there is a a cycle going on. The miasma that we talked about, the kind of uh, apocalyptic death fog, basically, um, you see it throughout the game. It comes in, it wipes out entire populations, and this is all designed. This is not a naturally occurring thing. And you find out that this is part of this cycle. So Charon, um, who they named, the name Charon is used for a train in the beginning of the story. But Charon is actually bringing out the miasma to kill all the people. And Mother brings back life to the world out of these pods like Sam came out of at the beginning. And so early in the game, one of the first places you go to called Greenberg gets wiped out by the miasma. And then those people are replaced by people from the pods, as far as I understand. And this is this cycle, right? See, I, I didn't catch that part until the replay. Like I was, you know, they're, they're dead, but I didn't catch that they were going to be replaced. So what I wonder is if they're being replaced with copies of themselves without the memories of what happened. I, I figure that it would just be copies of themselves, you know, more efficient yeah. that way. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Because if, um, if it is copies of themselves, then that would explain, at least to me, why they're all so happy-go-lucky. Yes. And this is a point that I made in my notes about halfway through the game, where I was like, why is no one fucking freaking out about this? And it's because they don't know. Because they die every time the miasma comes, and then they get reborn, none the wiser, basically. Yeah. Now, that... I initially was like, oh, that's a really cool thing. I see what they did here. But then you get to New Damn City where the people do know about the miasma and they're still the same way. There's fucking theater troops out there. So my kind of tolerance for it went back down a bit because in New Damn City, the whole thing is they've constructed this, uh, constructed or found, I can't remember, this shield basically that keeps them safe from the miasma and they've avoided this cycle several times. So, so it's, it's Alva's grandfather created a thing called the Buddha fan. It's basically yeah. a giant fan that blows away the miasma. Right. And I think it failed when they were living in old new damn city, which is the town with all the zombies where they right. send you to get the goop machine or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, but then when I think her grandpa was, was creating the fan and had it working when that happened, cause he died evacuating everybody from old new damn city. And then they built new damn city on top of the dam. Yeah. So 
my issues with people being too happy for the world they're living in were solved in the early part of the game. And the game's whimsy made sense to me because the people underground, they don't, no one's been to the surface. They don't know what's happening. The people who live on the surface, they die and are reborn. They have no idea what's going on. So it makes sense for them too. We get to New Damn City and we meet Alva. We meet the the fucking guy, the mafia guy, and Lee. all of them. <laughs> Lee the smokestack. <laughs> yeah. When we meet all of them, then I started to get back into this. Like your job, the entire purpose of your life is to keep this thing functional. And uh, Alva, I think, I think it's Alva. It might be the other one who's like their life's research is looking for a cure for the miasma to to help those zombies. Right. So why is everyone so happy? I I was like, again, back into this. When I replayed it, like I talked to more NPCs on new damn city and a bunch of them are assholes and a bunch are sleazebags. Like Mm -hmm. they are trying to get the best of whatever they can from whoever. So even though they're somewhat happy-go-lucky, they're still a little bit miserable on the inside. From That's true, and that, yeah, and that does fit more with um, what we are maybe more used to from post-apocalyptic fiction, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to get into a couple other things later about more tonal clashes, I think, especially concerning um, the journey from New Damn City after that plot is over. But back to the the cycle with mother and death and rebirth, it's explained late, very late in the game, that the purpose of this is to help humanity reach its true potential. And that's a quote from, um, I think it's the Charon Museum, when the robot is explaining to you what's going on, which... Is, horrible lore dump at the end where they're just like, (laughs) we're just going to have you go to a museum and you're just going to read what everything's what's happening here. We're not going to, we can't explain this to you in a better way. Um, but anyway, uh, (laughs) what the fuck does this mean? Why is this cycle going to help humanity reach its true potential? I, I would explain that as that is mother being fucked up like <laughs> that. She probably misunderstood something and uh, okay. that's, that's her because her plan is basically have the entire world engulfed in miasma so that the new humans can come out. Right. But then it keeps happening. So something corrupted mother to make it keep happening or I, I not, I don't exactly remember where the miasma came from because as far as I understand it, that is what caused the entire issue with the world. And for some reason, they've managed to harness it and be able to release it whenever they want. So basically, if they never wanted to release my asthma, the world can keep going right. as it is. But for some reason, she is obsessed with the perfect human world, which I, I'm not a scientist and I'm not very smart, but wouldn't genetic degradation make it so that the new humans coming out would be crap and not have any shelf life on them. I don't know if they're, if they're starting, if they're starting with the same genetic code, you know, they're clones basically, Mm -hmm. and they come out the same way every time, then I don't see how that would facilitate progress at all because you, it's not like this is a story where 
human life is finite. And so you get your time to make technological advances or whatever, and then you die and you're reborn and then you can continue the work or something like that. That's not what's happening in this game. So I don't know unless the, unless what's actually happening is that helping humanity reach its true potential was the original goal. You're going into this museum. A robot is telling you because that's what the robots programmed to do. But a long time ago, this whole thing, this whole process got corrupted, and that's why we have this cycle now. Yeah. But- and and there is that scene in uh, Green- Greenberg where Mother looks at the terminal, and she's not happy with the results of Greenberg. She's saying that it's, uh, what I said, primitive. And she re- restarts the cycle all over again because those are the same results that she got last time she started the cycle. So- wouldn't that just make it so that every single place would be doing the same? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I can pose different explanations for it. Like I just did, but none of it makes any sense. I, I, I struggle to see how any of this would help humanity reach its true potential. The only thing that I can come out of this with is what if, like we said, that was the original goal and they did have a plan, but then mother got corrupted. And so now everything's fucked. The plan, we're never going to have any progress now. So that's why we have to break this cycle. Which is not told to you anywhere until the end. Yeah. It's like you just get taken to Esther City because of happenstance. Because that's where the train goes. That's where the train it, lets you off there. So Yeah, yeah because the train goes east, eastward. That's the only reason yes. why you're going there. <laughs> Right. Because the, even though mother talks to Sam and tells her more or less what's going to happen or what she has to do or whatever, Sam doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. And it's um, uh, it's, it's one of my least favorite storytelling tropes when one character knows everything but just won't say anything. Um, and she, Sam's a little kid. Little kids don't keep secrets. Like, what is, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Um, so, so anyway, um, we have this setup here. Now, at this point in the in the story, we don't know this yet, but we do know that the miasma is coming. Um, we averted catastrophe in New Dam City, but ev- all the stuff is like broken at the end of that. I got the feeling that like the next time the miasma comes, New Dam City is going to get wiped out because all the stuff got broken last time. So, Alva, what's her um her? I think it's her girlfriend. Is he her name Isabella? Izzy. Yeah. yeah, they leave. Um, one of them runs away to go to Esther city to try and, you know, find a cure, find a, a solution. And you're chasing after them and you're on this train. You get caught in a time loop, which fine time. You get caught in a time loop. That's cool. For some reason, I'm, I'm fascinated with the concept of time loops and <laughs> it's going to be weird, but eternal suffering. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Um, so them being in that time loop and not knowing exactly how long they were there and yeah. then finding out that Izzy had reached Esper City months ago is just fascinating to me. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, one of the more terrifying parts about, uh, uh, shit interstellar. That was the movie. Yes. Was, was when time travel got really fucked up in that movie too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. That's, that is really interesting. So they got stuck in that time loop. Also, another thing we're keeping in mind here is that Red Sam, 
tells Blue Sam that John is going to die soon. So we have that in our head. And we're chasing after our friend who is almost certainly in danger. And then we have a several hour sequence where you get stuck on a train with a bunch of monkeys that are actors and filmmakers. The ch- it's an entire chapter in the game called Once Upon a Time in Monk Hollywood. And this is, this is the dumbest shit I've seen in a video game in a long time. And I'm not saying that in a nice way. I hated this section so fucking much. I love that shit so much. Oh my Fucking God. Okay. Monk Hollywood. <laughs> Monkeys okay. having their own production <laughs> set in a train. <laughs> Fucking gold. Oh man. I hated it so much. But if you, if you find it funny, again, I've, t- I've complained so much about the tones clashing in this. This is the ultimate tone clash. John has a death clock over his head now, apparently. Red Sam says he's going to die. Our friends, we're chasing after them because they're in danger. Now we're going to go onto a train car. We're going to go fucking... John becomes an actor for a couple hours. <laughs> doesn't, and, a, doesn't a monkey girl like hit on him too? <laughs> yeah, it, it's... <laughs> This is this is <laughs> this is the part where this game's tone absolutely does not work for me at all. Um, uh, there's a, <laughs> a a part in New Damn City where uh, Alva is screaming at at Izzy, telling her, "Oh, you managed to dent the ship. You broke the landing gear, and this and that." And Izzy's like, "Well, there were monkeys on a train, and they were shooting at me." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like. What? And then I actually, we actually get to the monkey train. And I'm like, holy shit, this is great. That, that's true. I, <laughs> it is like in concept, it's funny. But full disclosure, I, I, was, I was very much not having fun playing this game before we got to the monkey train. And I was like, oh, come the fuck on. Like, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> I just, I couldn't do it, man. Um, you, you do a boss fight against Solomon, who we're going to talk about here in Monk Hollywood at the end. Solomon, up until this point, has been a kind of cackling villain. He calls himself the harvester, the reaper of humanity, which that's if he's related to the miasma coming out, that, yeah, that's, that is his role. But so I'm like, at this point in the game, I think Solomon's going to be a villain that's worth a shit, basically. And then we fight against him at the end of the Monk Hollywood chapter. And then he decides, um, I'm just going to chill and watch TV with the monkeys. And that's uh, for a long time. That's the end of his story. <laughs> so he just, he just seemed like an edge Lord to me the entire time. Like I, f- yeah. I feel like they had great plans for him and they just kind of fell flat on their face. Like they, there was nothing redeeming about Solomon. At all. Yeah. Like, yep. I, the game would have still had the same impact to me without him. Yep. You could have just had Red Sam do all of his lines. And that's it. Yeah. It would have been fine. Ah, oh, man. That. I'm glad you enjoyed the monkeys. I because did. it's a long section. If you don't enjoy the monkeys, it's like two and a half, three hours. Oh, it's a uh, long time. Recommendation. If you like monkeys, play this game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're a little bit past the recommendation section, but if you're still listening, wondering if you should play this game, if you think the idea of a train full of monkeys turned filmmakers and actors is funny. Yeah, that's for you. I, so, <laughs> so I wonder, you know, that uh, Quentin Tarantino has a foot fetish. I wonder if there's a director monkey that's equivalent to him and it, and what what is he doing? What's what's his 
Is it a foot fetish? Just, like, just looking at do monkeys have hands on their feet? He mandates that all of the actresses in the monkey films uh, climb trees only using their feet. <laughs> so they're front and center in the camera. Oh, Lord. So. <laughs> Oh man, Monk Hollywood. Like the first time I saw that name, I just bursted out laughing. I was like, what? It was like, it's a fucking train full of monkeys and they have their own Hollywood. <laughs> like I said, funny in concept for me, funny in concept, bad time for me. Um, but yeah. once it's over, you do get into um, Esther City, which is uh, the last place in the game and Esther City's stuck in a time loop. And so... We kind of forget about the miasma for a while in this game. Like after between New Dam City and until the end, basically, there's no mention of it because now we're doing this time loop plot. And the time loop is fine. Like I, I don't really mind it. It seemed like it came out of nowhere. Like it seemed like they were like, to me, it seemed like it came out of nowhere. I guess that there are theories about what's actually going on with the time loop in Esther City. So you said you did some reading and stuff. Did you come out with anything? No, like it was just like some sort of defense mechanism so people wouldn't get there and ruin Mother's and Solomon's plans. Okay, gotcha. Basically it. But the interesting thing about Esther City is that it's it's said that um, Sam is from Esther City, Solomon is from Esther City. Um, there is a theory by a friend of the show, Chris uh, Nelson, that John is also from Esther City. Uh, because the way he posed it, and I, I can't refute it because I don't remember, but whenever you go to a new place up until Esther City, no one knows who John is, but people in Esther City know him. They react like they know him. So he possibly got out somehow. Hmm. And if that's true, then that's interesting. And then, you know, Maybe him escaping the time loop or something like that. This is also kind of a theory that we're just throwing out there. Maybe that has something to do with the reason he doesn't talk. Could be. But also the time loop, we, we're not given like any information at all. Uh, but wouldn't you say that the time loop works from peeping keep time loop works from keeping people out instead of not letting them get out? It definitely keeps people out because um because how did the Solomon only, get out? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Solomon and then John also. It is interesting if uh cuz the the people in Esther City seem like they know they're in a time loop and none of them are leaving. So, I'm not sure why, but keeping people out of the city, it seems to be effective cuz it seems like the only way people can travel in this game except for Izzy who has a rocket, but everyone else has to ride this one train. And the train gets stuck in the time loop and you're doomed to repeat, you know, the same few minutes over and over again. So no one's getting in there. You can only get in there once you like boost the train engine or something like that. So yep, with the lucky coin. Yeah. So in Esther City, um, you have to go into this final dungeon called the Eternal Tower and get to the top. It's a, a ton of puzzles, kind of a final exam type of thing for the puzzles in the game. Uh, took took a long time, several play sessions to get through this. And you go up to the top, and this is a thought that I had because you already um, you already beat Solomon a while ago, and I was going up to the top and being like, "I'm going to fight the final boss now." I have no idea who the final boss of this game is going to be. 
because Solomon seemed like he had retired earlier. But uh, and then in Esther City, I have to assume it's the same Solomon. But there is a person named Solomon who's like a famous scientist there. So because things are all timey wimey, I was just like, oh, same Solomon, cool, I, I got it. I mean, the the Solomon outside could have been a, a copy, a clone. Um, and the been. one inside is the real, and maybe he fed Solomon all those lies of being the harvester of humanity, or it, it could, could be, or it could be that time is all wonky for people there. So people age, some don't, or maybe he stayed outside of the time loop long enough to become a scientist and come back in. I mean, yeah, or maybe he cloned himself because you know there's there are clones in this yeah. game. That's a thing, and his clone is out causing problems for people. But in Esther City, he's a revered person. And when you get there, he's just died. So that's part of the thing too. He's not actually dead. He's the boss that you're fighting at the top of the tower. Um, Solomon comes back. Uh, so he says that everyone and everything is an illusion except for Sam. I don't know if that's true, but that um, if they mean illusion, in the sense that it's like, it's not real in the way that you think it is, then that kind of makes sense. If it's like an illusion illusion, then that's fucking stupid. And I hope that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> this is all a nightmare Sam was having. Yeah. So you fight Sam or Solomon again. Sol or actually Solomon takes Sam, kidnaps her. And uh, you have to follow and try and catch up. And for some reason, the final boss of the game is a dragon which I don't know why, except it's dragons are cool. I think this game was made in Hong Kong. So cultural yeah. for sure. Yeah. Anyway, you fight this dragon. It's a pretty fun fight. My, I had to beat it three times because the first two times I beat it, the game crashed during the cutscene after you beat the boss. So I got real good at it. <laughs> that, it's, um, oh man, that hurts me <laughs> that you had to go through that shit. It, it, you know, the boss is, it's not the most fun, but it's not terrible. I just don't, I don't want to do it three times, obviously, but. <laughs> you know, I, speaking of bus fights, I, I really did enjoy the fight with Izzy. It was a good looking fight and it was fun to play too. Yeah. That one was like a, um, a parrying fight yeah. kind of like a, uh, a Sekiro or like the, the penultimate boss in Blasphemous. If you played that, um, it's, you can't really attack her. She, she comes at you. The only thing you can do is deflect by swinging the pan, it will deflect her attacks. And if you do that enough times in a row, she'll get staggered and you can go hit her. Um, yeah, I agree. That was fun. And like, it's in like that dark hallway with the blue lights coming in. It was just, it was just visually, it was stunning and it was fun to play. Like I, for some reason, I don't remember the, the last boss fight because granted I beat him more than a year ago, but that fight with her, I have it ingrained in my memory. That's one that I, I won't forget anytime soon. Yep. It was cool. And the final boss, the dragon, it, it's okay. It's a fine final boss. So the dragon is like protecting Red Sam. Uh, so you have to defeat the dragon so that you can kind of, you know, get to Red Sam. So Red Sam says that if she is defeated, you know, final boss dialogue. She says if she's defeated, then our Sam will disappear too. Our Sam takes on like this ultimate star child form and falls out of the sky. Uh, John catches her, but she disappears um, after you beat her. 
there's kind of like a, a quote that says that Sam doesn't need to say goodbye uh, because John already knows they'll meet again someday. That's uh, because John's not going to say that shit himself. They have to be like, oh, I, John, I know you would say this. So there's, man, there's a lot of emotional moments or moments that could have lots of emotion in the game that A, didn't land for me because of the tone. B, didn't land for me because John doesn't fucking say anything when he could. He could let us know how he feels and in turn, how I should feel. Instead, it's just kind of like the world's happening around him. And this is one of those moments, I think. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. I was, I was borderline expecting for him to say something at the end, <laughs> like a Silent Bob in, in Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, just, <laughs> just anything, anything at all at the end. But no, nothing. <laughs> like you, you, we've been picking apart like some of the inconsistencies in the game, man, and and I still love it. Like I, they, they just seem like quirks to me about the game that are just lovable. Yeah. So I I do think, I don't know if I said it earlier, but I came out of this game with a, a strong impression of a tone and a, like a collection of thoughts rather than a really cohesive story to latch onto. So if that tone and those, you know, maybe moments throughout the story worked for you, then I can see how that's, you know, your takeaway See, for sure. And that's why I love the game and why I had the analogy of saying that this is a world and you're just two characters in it doing their own thing. Kind of like you, you, you are the saviors of this world, but you do have kind of everyday normal people stuff that you do too. Um, stuff that would be beneath the hero of a story like all that stuff about trying to cook something to win a bet for the the mafia guy. Like Sam can do fucking magic. She doesn't need to impress him. <laughs> so um, stuff like that, or you know, acting in Monk Hollywood. Um, you know, wrang- wrangling up those pigs in the in the Greenberg section. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, like all all of that. Like it. It's just it. Like you're never gonna act in a train full of monkeys. But it's still like everyday stuff that you have to deal with that it doesn't lend itself well to the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But to me, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, we, we, we've we've been over the, the ways that we each um, kind of experience this and feel about this. Uh, the end, taking care of this thing, beating the dragon, beating Red Sam takes care of them the miasma it's gone now i'm not sure how i wonder if you ask the developers if they know how but it's gone now and we kind of get this not post credits but final scene it seems like the world has reset after this because we see sam outside she sees john she doesn't know who he is and so or at least sam has been reset reborn i'm not sure John, another time where the silent protagonist really failed me, I would have loved for John to do anything here. He doesn't say anything. Sam says, like, you look like you've seen a ghost, which is all we're going to get as far as if John recognizes her or not. I guess he does, but like, if he was going to do a silent Bob and 
say something for the first time in the game, this would have been the spot. <laughs> I mean, he if they wanted to keep the whole silent protagonist thing, they could have just had him run up to her and hug her. I mean, yeah. Yep. Again, like I come out of this game still not knowing how John feels about Sam. Like if he really loved her, he would have run up and given her a hug or not just fucking sat on the bench like a tree or something. Man. (laughs) So um, when they were making this game was uh, most of the final uh, parts of it was during the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the team rented out an office at the top of a, a mall in China and the power went out. So when the uh-huh. power went out in the mall, their servers crashed, they lost everything and they couldn't yeah. get in to get uh, files back or anything. So they had to pretty much continue from like half point of the game and just rebuild a bunch of stuff so i don't know if the inconsistencies are because of that or if john being the way that he is is part of that but i'm pretty sure that must have affected the story in a very significant way it's hard for me to believe that they didn't know how they wanted the story to go before they started doing that stuff but losing all of Whatever assets that they had done, whatever, um, you know, coding and game making processes that I don't have vocabulary for that they'd done, if they'd lost all of that and now they're suddenly on, you know, a release deadline because they did have a publisher, whatever, I can see how that would affect the final product, but I don't really, I don't really, yeah, go ahead. uh, So it was like they, they lost the stuff. Four months later, they announced that it's coming out next year. Okay. So it, it's like, I, I don't know what they lost because they didn't say. They said it was sprites, animation, art, uh, scenes. They lost a bunch of stuff, but they don't say exactly, they didn't say exactly to what extent what they lost. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure it affected the final product, but I'm sure they must have had an outline of how they wanted the whole thing to go. And I'm sure that John not speaking at the beginning or having no emotions at the beginning might have been a design choice instead of we lost everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a hard time believing that them losing things would then result in John being a silent protagonist. That doesn't make any sense to me, but I can definitely see how they're like, we just don't have time to put in some of these other sections that would have fleshed things out more. Although, Hey, maybe they had a whole segment with Uva where they really do fall in love. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I didn't bring that up because I didn't think it was really consequential to the overall story. But uh, for people listening who don't know who that is, in the first town you go to on the surface, there's a woman named Uva who immediately falls in love with John. Love at first sight. <laughs> John stands there like a sack of potatoes, does not respond to her. Even when she's bearing her heart to him, he just stands there. And then she gets embarrassed because he's just standing there. And then later, there is a a dream sequence where John is dreaming about talking with her. And she says, like, you know, don't blame yourself for what happened to us and stuff like that. And I'm watching this like, this was a long time ago. John and Sam both watched this town get wiped out 
Nobody said anything. No mourning. They just moved on. So I have a really hard time that this is emotionally affecting anyone. Yeah, the the only one that somewhat mourned was Jasper. Yeah, Jasper. <laughs> Jasper is the the poster child for this game's tone. <laughs> he's a he's a, a jester yeah for people who haven't played yeah, yeah. Um, so i don't know maybe they were trying to get this romantic storyline going and maybe they had to cut it because they just simply didn't have time to do it again but the way it turned out it was um it just didn't work <laughs> it's jarring because uh, that's pretty much what everybody complains about people who love it people who hate it just complain about that their relationship not being a thing and then yeah us being supposed to feel something for it even though it had created nothing for us to feel anything for yeah well the the game didn't set up and this is this is the case for a lot of characters but especially in that early part i felt like the game didn't really set up a reason for me to care about their relationships with any of these townspeople and then after it happens like i said the characters don't talk about it. They don't, you know, Sam doesn't cry because she watched, you know, dozens of people die or something. She doesn't remember. Yeah, that's right. She doesn't remember. So, and it's not even explained why she doesn't remember the entire town. Cause you could say she doesn't remember the miasma because she was going into that freak out mode that she went into, Uh huh. but that doesn't explain not remember everything else from the town. Right. And I, I just think that, you know, I said it at the beginning, but I think the choice to have John be a silent protagonist is just, it it sucked the air out of so many scenes in the game. It did. It, one of the worst silent protagonists in a video game that I can remember because it him being silent actively makes the game worse, in my opinion. <laughs> so there's it, lots it, of, you know, Link, Ness, they're all silent. The game doesn't suffer because Ness doesn't talk. Um, I actually like the why Earthbound uh, why it makes sense in Earthbound. In this game, I was begging for John to react to anything. Anything at all. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I got to agree. Like, and, and they didn't even have to make him talk. They could have given him more animations, more expressions to what was yeah. going on. Like yeah. maybe somebody was threatening Sam and John would just stand there menacingly. That would have been fine. Yeah. That's why Link being a silent protagonist doesn't bother me at all because Link is super expressive, in, at least in the 3D games when when they could do that. Um, I know what Link is feeling in every situation. He, mm-hmm. he shows it on his face. He makes sound effects. John doesn't do shit. So. No, no, he just scratches his head sometimes when he's bashful. That's it. Yeah. So anyway, not to belabor the point anymore about the silent protagonist. Um, one more storyline that I want to ask you about um, and ask you your feelings on it. There's a storyline with a scientist named William and his robot son named Daniel uh, throughout the game. They're very prominent characters. I did not write anything down because I didn't care about their story, but I know that lots of people do. So how did you feel about these two? So th- this is the these are the characters that I said earlier were goofy and just, you know, being they're not annoying. They're just being sleazebags because they're, they're fucking sleazebags. Let's be honest. But <laughs> when you, you immediately notice that William is Daniel's dad, Daniel, the kid that was being picked on in Crockpot Isle. Mm-hmm. 
and he has a robot companion that looks just like him and has the same name, then you make that connection of him actually missing his son, even though he mistreats the fuck out of that poor robot. <laughs> um, it's knowing that you feel, I personally felt bad for him, even though he was, you know, kind of a piece of crap person. And honestly, if it wasn't for him, the journey would not have been completed. Oh, he, he plays a, a big role in, in helping them break the time loop um, mm-hmm. and other help along the way too, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, this, these two characters were just casualties of me really not caring for the tone in the game and a lot of the characters that you meet. So when I met them, I was like, okay, another couple characters hop on board. I, I didn't read too much into them and, you know, Maybe that's my fault for not for reading past or looking past that and not thinking about, you know, oh, it's the same name as his kid that was getting picked on. And now later in the story, it's just the robot with him and they're doing kind of robot. There's a a plot later where they're doing this robot uh, procedure uh, on him because he's got a bunch of energy stored up or something like that. Like he cares about the robot. Forgot uh, about that. Son. So... (laughs) But after the credits, uh, you get a post-credit scene where William is talking to Daniel, but it's his real son. It's not a robot anymore. It's it's the human. And I have gathered that that is a touching moment in the story. I felt nothing for it just because I was out on them as characters from the beginning. But I, I have heard that that is a touching moment for a lot of people. If If you make that connection of or because you know the way that he treats the robot daniel you you wouldn't think that he does actually miss his son even though the robot is named exactly like his son and looks exactly like his son Mm -hmm. but if you get past that and you notice that he does miss his kid then it you know you will see that it does have some sort of emotional depth at the end yeah so it's another thing that made me wonder did this world get reset when we defeated uh, the time loop and when we stopped the miasma and all of that, did it hit a reset on the world? Um, Because I had thought like, oh, he has a human son. Like his son died sometime and now is brought back to life. I don't really know what's going on there, but it's partly on me for not paying attention. (laughs) I I don't think there's a reset. I think it's more of a problem went away thing. Like everybody the problem came, went away yeah, and, and everybody, Sam has been reborn. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like everybody goes on with their life and Sam is just the only one that got reset pretty much. Gotcha. Yeah. Is there any other um, subplot or any anything else that you want to talk about, you know, now that the spoiler wall is is passed? Yes. I do have a couple of notes. They're, they're stupid notes, but uh, <laughs> okay. they, they tickled my fancy. Okay. Um, Let's see. Okay, first off, John the dog is all sorts of fucked up. John the dog. I don't yes. remember that. So in Greenberg, you hear, you see Uva calling John, and it's a dog called John. And it's a goofy looking dog. It's all messed <laughs> up. It's old, and apparently everybody loves the dog. He does seem like a good boy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change the fact that that dog has seen some shit. <laughs> Um, I, I did like the character design of Miller. He looked like a no nonsense cop. 
um, you know, with the stubble, uh, glasses and a hat. He was also in Greenberg. Um, he mm-hmm. is the brother of the owner of the pig ranch. Okay. So, and, uh, he, he is very fond of John, but doesn't want anybody to know. And I feel like that relationship between John and any other character was a little bit deeper than any of the others that he made in Greenberg. Because it's this guy welcoming the new stray and just starting to actually like him because he's a good person. Okay. The view of the valley from the mountain when the miasma is swallowing up Greenberg, that scene looked incredible. I really like that scene. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, All the way through. (laughs) Yeah. Anything where something has the opportunity to look cool always looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like all those, all those wide shots and you see John and Sam as little characters walking around. Those were great. Um, I did notice in one of those scenes that um, Sammy was wearing her red boots before Alva gave it to them. So that was an oversight on the developers. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, Oh, so when you're, you're fixing up the big, the big train station in uh, New Dam City, Mung, the leader of the, of the construction crew, says, uh-huh. wherever, whenever, you and the subway are meant to be together. <laughs> there's a bunch of little pieces of dialogue like that that are just so funny. Uh, it's hard not to sing that in yeah. your head as you read that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love the cultural representation and the food. You know, you have a lot of Japanese food. You have oh, Korean yeah. food, American food, bunch of stuff. Like, I, I was surprised at the amount of different types of food that were in this game. And it wasn't just hot dogs and pizza and burgers and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, this is a studio from Hong Kong, as far as I know. So... It's, um, there, there were a lot of, um, things that, especially with the food that once I learned that I was like, oh, it makes sense why you're, you're cooking, you know, octopus and stuff like that instead of, like you said, pizza. Yeah. And there is a pizza and it's a pineapple pizza. And the quote says something along the lines of why would anybody put hot fruit on food? (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) Me. I, I am, I'm everybody, anybody. You like pineapple on pizza? I do. Yeah. I like it if it's done right. Well, sure. That that goes without saying. Yeah. Not everybody knows how to do a good pineapple pizza. Mm. Alva says at one point, Houston, we have a problem. Does that mean that uh-huh. does that mean that Houston exists in the world of Eastward? Yeah, that's the trouble with putting in direct quotes and influences, right? But yep. uh there's another one. Uh there's a Jeep. In the game, for some reason, Jeep is a thing. So, and Sam says that it was used back in the war. So, is this planet like actual Earth post World War II, or yeah, is this could be? Like, I would have liked some clarification on that. And the final mm-hmm. thing is uh, the rabbit robot sex dolls. I must have blocked those out. I don't know. I'm not going to Google that, by the way. I, I'm curious, but I'm not going to type that in my Google search. So when you get to New Dam City, one of the kids tells Sam that uh, one of their friends is at the coin palace because he's in love with a robot. So once uh-huh. you go there and you actually see a robot, it's a robot sex worker with bunny ears. 
And when you talk to it, it says kid mode engage. And it just starts talking about Earthborn. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that it's in a, it's in a separate room, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember. And it has like, it has like fucking, uh, like, a a screen that shows like, uh, like pixelated titties for lack of a better, <laughs> for lack of a better description. I remember that. That was real weird. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was like, wow, <laughs> this fucking like 12 year old is in love with a, a rabbit robot sex doll. <laughs> not, and not only that, but it is programmed with kid mode, yep. which is, uh, <laughs> after the apocalypse is kosher, I guess. So, I mean, anything goes if you think you're going to die from inhaling my asthma. That's true. And I can't think of a better way to uh, transition to ending this episode with that thought right there. So, Chris, this has been a good time, man. I appreciate you coming on and chatting with me. Yeah, no, it was it was great, man. Um, anytime with any terrible game that you hate, I'm willing to come on. <laughs> well, also, I, w- I would also love to talk about a game that I enjoy. That's also fun for me. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, anytime, man, anytime. All right, cool. Well, uh, everyone listening, another recommendation to check out a novel console podcast. Uh, you'll find links down in the show notes and see you next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog. <laughs>